0: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. We had a slight technical issue for a minute there. Thank you for holding a... This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that again. My name is Kim, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. That is who and what Black Free Thinkers happens to be. And so it's been a lot happening. You know, it's been an interesting week. Uh, Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting week. You know, there's some developments happening in the background, Um, some things that will be coming out sooner than later. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to the future, looking forward to, um, you know, everything. Everything that's happening, everything that... um, that's coming round is it's been real it's been real so you know what have you guys been up to how was your week you know I'm glad to be back like I said it's been interesting you know one of the things that I've talked about lately is how you know we've I've had a number of tragedies over the past couple of years you know but especially this year Um, Yeah, no, I could say about a year and a half. It really started a year and a half ago with um, deaths in the family. It's just, it's been a wild ride. And so, you know, had another issue that took place um, a few days ago. And it's like, you know, what I will say is that I come from a very strong family because, you know this shit is overwhelming at times, and especially when you have absolutely no control over that particular situation and um it's just it's it's been real, so yeah, it's been a lot going on. I've been gone for a while. It's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about and um catch up on sitting there trying to break away from the news cycle. I've been doing much better about this um, in the past month, but it's so much happening. And one of the things that I've warned people about that I got sucked into for a minute was all of these news shows and how they are now being marketed as um, entertainment, you know, as opposed to being the dang on news. So, you know, no one station is the right station, but anything is better than Fox. So keep that in mind, um, you know, as you move forward. But a lot of stuff that I want to go over today that I want to talk about, um, you know, I do need to send out the tweet in the Facebook update. About the show being broadcast right now. So anyway, like I was telling you guys before, I have some projects coming up next year, end of January, beginning of February is going to be one project coming up, and then another one. Not sure if it's going to be the end of May or the end of June, but I'm I'm striving for the end of May. You know, bringing that up and getting everything prepared for that. You know, this will be courtesy of Half a Dozen Bitches Productions because I'm sure I've been called at least Half a Dozen Bitches in many, 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 many conversations. So um, it's interesting. So that's where that name comes from, Half a Dozen Bitches Productions. So um, it's going to be interesting. So there's a few things that I want to get into. And hold on a second here. I just hate when I do this because sometimes my mouth and my brain is much faster than a computer when it shouldn't be that way. But let's see here. We can start with this here. Um, told you about what's happening there. But people of color beyond faith donated, um, you know, a shitload of toys for the Ronnie Man Christmas Toy Drive. And for those that are interested, we have a community center opening next year, and the name of it is Ronnie Mann and Marcy Gerald Safe Haven Center, and I just call it Safe Haven Center. It's going to be located 5407 South Halstead in the city of Chicago, Illinois, and it's going to be great. So what we did, people of color beyond faith, you know, people send us money for different things, and you all know I don't like taking the money. You know, I do not like taking money. And so what I do is I turn around and I take that money and I give it away. And even if I have, if someone calls me out, you know, and and asks me to do a talk, I don't take the money for those talks. But what I do is, because you will pay me, what I do is take that money and have them donate it to charities and organizations of my choice. And because you have some low-down people, you know, they have to put the checks in my hand while I'm there. I'll give it to them, you know, because you got some folks out here that are on some straight-up bullshit. But anyway, what I do is I take that money and I give it away. And so I had gotten a donation earlier this year, and I was trying to get it to one organization, but we kept missing each other. And I was, I was away a lot this year um, dealing with issues. And basically, you know, we kept missing each other. So what I did was when I did one talk um, not too long ago, um, they reimbursed for the car rental and the gas and all of that. So I took that money and combined it with the other donation, and we're sending, you know, about 30 items, 30 toys, you know, to them. As a matter of fact, some of them should be arriving today. And take those toys, take the money, and I combined it in um, Chicago Ethical Society, um Third Universal Unitarian Church, as well as Freedom From Religion Foundation, and, of course, People of Color Beyond Faith. So we made that donation to the Ronnie Man Christmas list. And what's going to happen with those toys is they're going to be given to, you know, underprivileged children. They're going to be taken to schools to be doled out that way. So we got a lot of pictures and a lot of stories that are going to be coming forth. And, you know, I'm also thinking that, you know, once I get the list, once Dorothy gets me the list of the schools, because, I mean, I have it somewhere, but she's going to send it to me again. And it's listed on the flyer, as a matter of fact. If you go to my page, go to my Facebook page, you'll see the flyer up there. You all can send gifts. I'll repost it later on today. But it tells you the schools that these donations are going to. I need the principal's names. And basically, once I get the principal's names and information, I'm going to call and talk to them, and I think I'm going to send another donation and things that, you know, some of the teachers need in their classrooms, like, you know, uh, crayons and pencils and, you know, printer paper and all of that as well as, like, um some books and, you know, little activities that they can give the kids that they can print off, and they can have those in school and class so the kids will have extra credit or maybe an easier way to learn a particular subject, you know, it's it's really interesting. And, you know, one of the projects that I have ahead of me deals with that specifically. So, you know, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better you know, kind of coming to myself, if you will, um, like I said, the lupus ain't going nowhere. Neither is the fibromyalgia, neither is the hypothyroidism. I'm just sick, period. And, um, you know, you, you get, you know, it's, anyway. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to put together some boxes for the teachers so that, you know, I can take it to the school or have it delivered to the school, because I don't pick up anything more than 10, 15 pounds, and I don't pick that up if I don't have to. But um, put together some care packages for the teachers or the principals for the kids so that they'll have paper. You know, I'd rather give it to the teachers than the principals, but, you know, that's something that Dorothy and all of us will have to discuss, you know, what to do and how to do this. But um, also, going back to the Safe Haven Center, there's an upper part of the center, and Dorothy wants to use that part above to house homeless women and families. And so we're going to need furniture for that. We're going to need clothing. We're going to need people to come in and help them redo their resume, maybe do a few classes on office, teaching them how to do office, and so you know, I'm really excited about this center coming up, and I'm just honored that, you know, Dorothy Holmes and Black Lives Matter Chicago wants me to be a part of this. And so, you know, things are slowly rolling out, and so this is going to be great. You know, we're going to be helping people with their electricity and light bills and gas bills, all of that stuff. Um, the food giveaways, you know, from the Chicago food depository um it's gonna be fantastic, and you know this definitely has motivated me in a number of ways, and so more information will be coming out about that um next next spring, we will be having a conference um specifically talking about mass incarceration, the school to prison pipelines. Um, people transitioning, you know, back into society, you know, talking about things about how in some cases if you've been out for a while, you can probably get your record expunged, um, regaining your right to vote, just a number of things. And also, you know, different ways that if you were convicted of certain crimes, You cannot apply for financial aid and a number of things you are ineligible for. And there are some wonderful programs out there that will help people that fall under those specific parameters. And so when you hear me talk about public policy, these are some of the things that we need to focus on, on restoring people's full rights. There are certain states in this country that once you have finished your probation or your parole, your right to vote your right to apply for uh, certain jobs and certain things, that's restored. And so that's a global or national conversation that needs to be had. So more information about the conference coming up soon, but, um, you know, really excited about it and putting together some of the last-minute information and trying to, you know, solidify who's going to be there and excited about it all. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about today that I found interesting was the Me Too hashtag and the movement and phenomena behind that, right? And that's been absolutely amazing. And about 10 years ago, this was started by a black woman by the name of Tarana Burke, And so what was interesting was when this started to happen and you started seeing women coming out and saying Me Too, you know, people were attributing this to Alyssa Milano because she encouraged people to speak out. And so what I found most beautiful about that particular, you know, um, movement there that's still happening is that people made sure that Tarana Burke got the credit that she deserved. You know, because she put that together. She was the advocate for that. She was out here, you know, talking about Me Too and the power of Me Too because we all have our stories. You know, we've all been in different positions whereas, you know, some fuckery behind it or you were mistreated or you were totally, you know, overlooked. I mean, it it could be a number of of, you know, situations, you know, regarding that, but, you know, I was glad that they made sure that Tarana got her just due, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's been wild, the whole thing, but, um, like I said, we all have our stories, and some people are comfortable telling theirs, other people, not so much. But, you know, what I found kind of refreshing, not kind of, very refreshing, was you had people like Terry Crews coming out talking about how he was harassed, sexually harassed, and, you know, a number of other people. And, again, as I stated last week, you know, women aren't the only ones that are sexually harassed. You know, men are sexually harassed, too. And, you know, what's horrible about that is, you know, men are discouraged from telling their stories. But we're going back to, you know, what's happening with this Me Too. You know, a lot of this is tethered to the women's march that took place in January. And this is a wonderful thing. I'm glad all of this is coming out. I'm glad that, um, you know, people are getting justice, you know, and and the victim shaming, the victim blaming, all of that has to stop, you know. Um, it has to stop. And the conversations are coming out. Forgive me, I'm a little – all right, so did I finally – all right. So, you know, the conversations are coming out. People are having this much-needed dialogue. But what I want to caution people about – is the fact that yes, we're having this dialogue, but it's important for people to understand that you have a number of different narratives that are out there. So we all have our own unique stories. And what's unfortunate about many people in, in the media in this country is they try to compose a single narrative and fit us all into that particular narrative. And that's dangerous because when that happens, it certain people out of the conversation, i.e. women of color. And it's important that we not allow that to happen. Because, again, you know, you have people out here and they're telling their stories about Weinstein, you know, Matt Lauer, you know, John Conyers, R. Kelly, uh, you know, it's just a number of different people out here. But, you know, when you go to some of the women of color and you see, you know, who we're railing against, you know, some of us are talking about Pookie from up the block and Reverend Lovelace whose church, you know, we used to attend with our family. You know, so this sexual violence conversation needs to be broadened. And it's just has been really interesting. And like I said, it's really hard to shape a narrative because all of our stories and experiences are different and they're not all encompassing and they don't necessarily need to be or have to be. You know, we have a right to tell our story our way. And we also have the right to make sure that our stories aren't being pushed to the back or totally factored out. So it's important that you guys keep that in mind as we move forward with this Me Too movement And because I want to make sure that, you know, T.T. up the block, that she's able to tell her story about, you know, Reverend Porkchop and what he did you know or or you know you know big Ed up the block, and how he treated her, you know, or um you know Juan around the corner, you know what they did, so again, it's just it's very important. I'm gonna come back to this particular um narrative shortly. But, you know, let me go ahead and read off what we're talking about today on the show. Today's show is named Dear Black America, Wild White West. And so it says, here, please join me Sunday as I discuss the reality show that we are being forced to participate in. Donald Trump, Roy Moore, white evangelicals, black word of faithers, libertarians, white supremacists, Jerusalem, and more – I'm pretty much going to talk about everything and everyone because I can. Donald Trump to people of color, you will obey and conform. And all of a sudden, they claim that they want to engage black people in dialogue. And Donald Trump is like Santa Claus for white people, and some of their ethnic white counterparts. Recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel is having very real consequences. This was done deliberately for a number of reasons. Life is about to get really interesting. And so, you know, there are a number of things that I definitely want to talk about. But for those that are interested in learning more about Tirana Burke, um, there was an article written in the Washington Post, and the title of the article is "The Woman Behind Me Too Knew the Power of the Phrase When She Created It," and this was written by Abby Olheiser. Y'all know I kill these last names, so Abby Olheiser. O H L. A G I S E R. This is written in the Washington Post. Again, the woman behind Me Too knew the power of the phrase when she created it 10 years ago. So go and take a look. And, you know, when you hear her story and and how it began and, and you know, you're going to be moved. You're going to definitely be moved by this. So you go on out there. And give her her just due. And I know Tyler Magazine um, just released an issue talking about the silence breakers. And this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So go and check that out. You know, I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised by that. So, you know, I'm going to go to something a little bit different. You know, this is kind of just off-center because... (laughs) Somebody, I don't know I re, if it was this week or last week, more than likely it was this week. It turns into a big-ass blur after a while. So they wanted to talk about Meghan Markle and this Prince Harry thing. And I'm going to tell you the same thing I told them. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't care. The end. So moving on. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting about what's happening with the Trump administration right now. And I've been seeing, you know, these interviews with Papadopoulos guy, his girlfriend. They say she's Italian, but she Mm -hmm. sounds Russian to me. But, you know, what the hell do I know, you know, trying to figure this shit out. But from my understanding, you know, again, from my understanding, there are going to be three more indictments, at least three more indictments before Christmas. So my picks for this are Jared, Hope Hicks, and Stephen Miller. Those are the ones, you know, especially Jared. I'm really rooting for Jared. So we'll see how all of that works out, you know, and again, I I complain about being forced to participate in this reality show, but what we're experiencing with Donald Trump is no different than what we experienced in the past. The difference between Donald Trump and many of the other ones is he's more forthcoming about being a white supremacist, and also, you know, he just can't help himself. You know, he's a narcissist. I also believe he's a sociopath, but I'm not a psychologist, so I can't make these type of determinations, nor do I really try trying to figure out and better understand, you know, but to figure out and better understand is much different than normalizing Donald Trump and his, you know, little minions there. And I said all of that to say this, is that we have to be careful about that because the New York Times wrote, you know, an article um, basically attempting to normalize Nazi sympathizers or Nazi apologists, you know, and white supremacy. And so, you know, there's been a lot of calls to boycott you know, New York Times. And as a matter of fact, there's a boycott out now telling people to basically boycott Sirius Radio. You have a number of people getting ready or threatening or have pulled their shows off of Sirius Radio because Steve Bannon is returning to the Breitbart show. And, you know, I agree with some of the commentators that I, you know, saw earlier I think it would be a mistake to pull out because what they said is true. AM radio, a lot of people protested AM radio when Rush Limbaugh and a number of these other people came on board. And what happened was they gained control of AM radio. And that is how the narrative really started to change into this, you know, neoconservatism and In country areas, rural areas, all they have is AM radio. So this is all that they hear, and this is one of the reasons why they vote against their own issues. So I think it would be a big mistake to pull out and just concede the airways to to these people and, and, and their particular ideology. I think it's a big mistake. And so we'll see how... You know, all of this pans out. But, you know, with that in mind, you know, we got to look at this situation. We have to be real about it. You know, I'm really hard on, you know, progressives and liberals and moderate white Democrats. And there are reasons for it. You know, you have everybody, you know, a lot of people out here upset about Roy Moore and Alabama, right? And you have every reason to be upset about that. I think the whole thing is sickening. However, the Democrats didn't send people out there to help Doug Jones until a few days ago. So, you know, three, four, five days before the election, then you send someone out there. And this is the same thing you did with Hillary Clinton. You did not invest money in the black community. You invested you know, quite a bit in the Latino community or Latinx community, but not the black community. And that's one of the reasons why voter turnout in the black community was much lower than you had anticipated. See, you all were still trying to ride, you know, trying to ride on the coattails of Barack Obama and, and the historic turnout for him. And there is a lot that you did not learn then, And apparently you still don't understand. So you're going to continue making these same mistakes, continue getting the same results, and (laughs) and then stand there asking why. And we've told you why. But you don't care because you feel like you know what's best for us. And even though we've been studied all the way down to our toenails, you know, again, to your own detriment. So, you know, you probably need to think twice. And the truth of the matter is some of the more seasoned people you have there, you need to keep them around. But some of these other folks, you know, they need to go on and find other things to do or go relax in Shady Pines. You need some young people in your ranks. Otherwise, You're going to be like a dog chasing its own tail while the rest of us are sitting there watching and laughing, but then turn around and question ourselves, like, why are we watching this? You know, why are we laughing at this? You know, what are we going to get out of that particular situation by watching and laughing? You know, because, see, this hurts communities of color disproportionately. So we do not have that privilege to just sit back and watch shit happen, you know, especially when you have someone like Sessions running the, the Department of Justice and, you know, the things that are happening there, you know, all of the achievements that were won and fought over during the, you know, Holder, you know, Obama era, you know, a lot of those are being rolled back. They're being, you know, torn up. Um, you got to remember Donald Trump is um, appointing all of these conservative people to federal, you know, judgeships. You need to go out there and you need to pay attention to that because these appointments are for life. And these appointments and these judges have a direct bearing on your everyday life. You need to know that. You need to understand that. And so, you know, what was interesting to me was um, I saw the FBI director, Ray, testifying, and he was talking about all of these different things about, you know, um, domestic terrorism and just terrorism in general. And he started talking about curbing gang activity. And what I wanted to say was gang activity And I'm like, are you talking like the white nationalists, the white supremacists, the Aryan nation, those gangs? Or are you talking about, you know, poking them at the park laughing? Now, that's not to say that we don't have issues in our community. But there's also been this unspoken you know, rule, if you see three or more black people congregated together, it is automatically categorized as a gang, which is bullshit. And we've had a lot of young people convicted of mob action when all they were doing was standing there. So, you know, again, we need to pay attention, get back to these narratives, and And start having some real conversations. Um, For those of you that are out there, you know, you have this resistance movement, which is wonderful. You know, I've done nothing but support them, even though I've criticized some of the people that are claiming to lead the resistance movement because they're only doing this to capitalize off of the people and especially capitalized off the work and words of black women. So if you're interested in writing to your, you know, politicians, what you can do is text the word RESIST, R-E-S-I-S-T. You can text it to 50409. Again, 50409, 50409, put in the word RESIST, and... It will text you back asking for your name and it will ask you for your address. You got a PO box, put that in there. And what happens is you can text them and have them write letters to your politicians and and tell them how you feel. For those of you out here that's worried about net neutrality, and you should be. Get involved. Get involved you know, do some searching. Again, I always encourage you guys to go and look and see these things for yourselves. You know, don't necessarily go on everything that I say. I'd rather have you question what I say and go out and verify it for yourself. Trust but verify. And so you want to see some other stuff that's that's for shits and giggles, go and and look up these white lives white lives matter rallies being planned all around the country. You know, they've they've kind of pulled back a little bit, you know, because they're in the background and they're regrouping. But it ain't over. You know, and that was one of the issues that I know Raina and I specified on the show. Are concerned with how you know, Donald Trump was emboldening and empowering these white supremacists. But not only Donald Trump, you know, one of the things I am going to talk about today is the libertarian, the libertarian to alt-right pipeline. And that's actually the name of an article that's out there, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But it's a very real reality. So the libertarian alt right pipeline has been happening and this is one of the reasons why we were throwing up all of these stop signs and caution flags and everything about certain communities because they were nurturing and cultivating this type of climate. And what's so interesting about some of these people is they will tell you and they will say, oh, well, we can't control, you know, the trolls that come and make comments on our, you know, on our Facebook page or on our articles or what have you. And it's so interesting because you just want to write them off as being trolls. Those are not trolls. They're your members. As hard as you try to discount it, those are your members, and supporters. And so what's so interesting is that, you know, in many of these communities, because, you know, when I talk about this, I'm talking about a number of communities, not just one specific community. There are a number of different communities or cults that are out there because that's what it's turned into. A lot of this has been (laughs) turned into a freaking cult, And you need to understand, and the reason why I'm focusing on the black community today is because, you know, and it's not just a black community, just communities of color. But what you need to understand and pay attention to is that what they do is they'll send people of color, people that look like you, sound like you, that you know, into your communities to forge a path, open the door, change your mind or two take control of the narrative and the conversation in an effort to allow these people, some of these people, to come in and pretty much destroy, you know, a lot of these communities. You know, and it's, it's just, is I don't even know what to say. I know what to say, but I'm not trying to you know, go into a cussing fit right now because, you know, we've seen it happening, and at one point I know that with some of the things that I believe, you know, I was part of the problem. And when you learn better, you do better. And what happened was, like, yeah, la, 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 la. And then after you get to talking about it, it's like, that don't sound right. And then you start exploring and researching and really paying attention to what people are saying, and you're like, no, that's some bullshit right there. <laughs> So, you know, what's been so interesting is I've admitted that I've made some mistakes. If you go back and you listen to some of the earlier shows, my tune has changed in, in many areas. And what I will tell you is if you meet someone and they say that they never change, that they're the same always, you probably need to get away from them because if they're not changing, the bullshit you see coming from them now was the same bullshit they had coming out of them then will be the same bullshit coming out of them five, ten years from now. So, you know, question everything and everyone. But let's go back to the FBI head honcho Ray. You know, and what's interesting is I agree with some of the sentiment that I see coming from different people regarding um, the FBI head honcho ray and just the political position of mm-hmm. the United mm-hmm. States right now. You know, they're so busy out here pointing the finger at muslims with their islamophobia pointing the finger at communities of color with their xenophobia pointing the finger at the lgbtq community with their homophobia and transphobia and and pointing the finger at women with their sexism you know and they're so busy trying to focus you on these things, and especially don't let something happen in another country somewhere, while every day we have mass murders happening in this country on a daily basis. Now, the mainstream media does not, you know, bring all of this information to daylight, but there is a mass murder every day in the United States of America. Look it up. Research it. Pay attention, you know, and, you know, I probably need to start posting again, but, uh, you know, it's it's, it's just, sometimes, you know, when you read this stuff and you see it, and especially, you know, if you understand history, it's the same shit being recycled, And so, you know, one of the things that I've said is that we have to react differently to a lot of these things. And that's why we have to react smarter or find different ways to deal with different situations. And so, you know, again, just looking at all of this, um, I find it sad that Paula White is Donald Trump's so-called pastor. And what's so interesting about that is Paula and her ex-husband, Randy, they pastored a church, and it was aptly named, without walls. But yet now she's the pastor and spiritual counselor of a man who wants to build walls, not just one wall dividing us from, you know, Mexico and South America, but walls in different communities. He's building a wall you know, basically basically building a wall to stop any movement that he doesn't agree with. So he's building a wall against women. You know, what's unfortunate is that a lot of these white, heterosexual, cisgendered males, that's part of his core group there, they want to send women, particularly white women, back to the kitchen in a bedroom and make you have all of these babies and submit to their will. And if they could, take your right to vote away. Take your right to work away, you know, so that, you know, they're building those walls. However, fifty three percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. And see, that's one of the reasons why I find this narrative with the me too, how they're trying to put together a single narrative. And what makes it dangerous is because that narrative will be geared toward, you know, white women, particularly middle of the road, well to do white women. And Again, what you're seeing in Alabama with Roy Moore. If you've been paying attention, the majority of the people that I've personally seen out here stumping for Roy Moore and excusing the behavior or calling the you know the victims liars have been white women. And the same thing with these same white women out here stumping for Donald Trump. So, you know, it's like this. Yes, we have a lot more women running for office, you know, specifically white women running for office. (sighs) Do you really think their political stance is going to change? And I need for you to think about that. And I need for you to think about that and let that marinate for a little while. Because, again, if they're put in office, if they're elected and they're put in office, Are they going to fall in line, status quo? So when I say status quo, I'm not necessarily just talking about the Republicans and the Republican platform. You need to understand that the Democrats allow a lot of these things to transpire. They allow it to happen. They help to create the laws and the bills that are in place that strengthen institutional and systemic racism. You know, people don't want to talk about that, and that's one of the reasons why, you you know, you heard people like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and a number of other, you know, black and Latinx and Asian and indigenous, you know, leaders talking about liberal and progressive and moderate whites. They are just as culpable, and so, you know, one of the arguments that I've heard, you know, now, I wake up every day angry and resentful as hell because Donald Trump is in office. And so one of the criticisms, you know, that I've received and that I've seen, you know, thrown at other people is the fact that we did not support Hillary Clinton. And, you know, you have some people out here saying Hillary and Donald Trump were the same, blah, 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 all of that. I've stated before and I'll state it again. I have more respect for Donald Trump because at least he tells me he don't like me and he don't like my kind. I know exactly where he stands. Whereas you have people like Hillary and Bill Clinton and many others that have truly damaged the black community. You know, go back and read up about the welfare reform. Go back and read up about a number, you know, the three strikes are out, the contract with America, you know, just a lot of things that have been tied to the Democrats as well as, you know, as well as the Republicans. But there were some policies put in place by Bill Clinton, you know, the war on drugs. You know, Ronald Reagan had his war on drugs too. And what's happening now with Sessions and Trump is they're re-ramping up that war on drugs and, you know, privatizing prisons. And for what some of you need to understand, I've talked about this, but you need to go look it up. Some of these private prisons are being traded on the stock market. Look it up. You know, they're gambling. They're gambling away, you know, the future of, you know, a lot of young people and older people, but they are incarcerating a lot of young people and whether you want to believe it or not, young black girls and women are being incarcerated at the same if not at the same rate if not more than black men and boys. And the same thing is happening in the Latinx community and the indigenous community, as well as the Asian community and poor whites. See, I know some people are like, why do you always bring poor whites into the conversation? Because they're dealing with some of the same shit. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, there's an unspoken shame that's there that some wealthy whites are ashamed that they're a poor white. And it's not a conversation that you hear very often. But I remember reading that article in the National Review basically excoriating um, working class and middle class and poor whites for supporting Donald Trump. And that article was so scathing, I was like, damn. But they, they were using the same article, the same, sorry, they were using the same tactics and strategies on, you know, working class, middle class, and poor whites, that these same people, working class, middle class, and poor whites, use on black people. Not only do they use it on working class, middle class, and poor blacks, they use it on wealthy blacks, you know, which is why I'm still laughing about Donald Trump and people trying to excuse his bullshit and his fights with the NFL and, you know, other people, Basically, you know, he is saying to us that we will obey and we will comply, which is what he basically was saying when he went to the Civil Rights Museum. He was saying the same thing when he was picking a Twitter war with um, John Lewis, saying he's all talk, no action, and how his, you know, the community that he represents was dilapidated and poor. And, 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 you know, with a high-ass unemployment rate, which is not true, you know. And so I just, I look at this, and I get absolutely perplexed by some of these things. However, you know, going back to, you know, getting back to center here, you know, a lot of these moderate, progressive, and, you know, liberals out here, you know, they claim that they want to help us. They claim that they're resisting. They they claim that they're not racist. And, you know, all of these things, they're not sexist, they're not homophobic, all of that. But yet when we want to start pushing, enforcing public policy change and, and bringing attention to these problems, you know, too many of them are like, no, wait a minute, we, we agree with the premise of your argument, but, you know, the actions that you want to implement, we don't agree with that. So basically, they just want you to sit there and wait for change. And a lot of that is because they do not want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to feel any discomfort. They don't want anything interfering with their white privilege, which many of them claim doesn't exist, but it does. And you know that it does. So anyway, you know, I just had to touch on that. You know, I was watching the dedication at the Civil Rights Museum in Mississippi, and I don't know what's wrong with me sometimes, but the first thing that I zoomed in on was some white chick that had a tiara on. And so I'm like, who that white woman, Harpo, right? Like, who is that, you know? So maybe that was Miss Mississippi or something, 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 I don't know some privileged white woman whose boyfriend bought her a tiara. I don't know what the hell was going on with that. But I had to share that with y'all because I wasn't going to be right until I talked some shit about the white woman with the tiara. So anyway, getting back to Donald Trump and and his trolling, because Raina and I, we still go round for round about this. You know, I think Donald troll, Donald, Donald troll, Donald Trump, is trolling these communities, especially the black communities, and, you know, and, and trying to force us to obey him, trying to force them to stand up for the pledge of, you know, the pledge of allegiance, pledging allegiance to this country, which in essence he feels is pledging loyalty and allegiance to him. You know, and, and, you know, that he wants you to celebrate America. No, what he means is he wants you to celebrate him and celebrate his white supremacy, you know, that he advocates. You know, and he wants you to acknowledge him as your leader. He just wants you to love him. He just, you know, he wants you to kiss his ring and kiss wherever else he wants you to kiss. And how dare you question him and defy him. After all that they've done for you people, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, some people are probably over there laughing, but pretty much the same sentiment came from Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. After all that Bill and Hillary did for the black community, yeah, you put more of us in jail you destroyed many of our families. You destroyed a lot of our communities. A lot of the wealth that was was garnered and built upon over generations was lost because you deregulated the banking system, specifically the mortgage mortgaging. You know, And what's interesting about it is the black church, especially you were the faithers. Those of you that believe in that word of faith, that's prosperity, gospel, all of that, you helped them. You were complicit. All I heard was for many years, God wants you to have a house. Talk to the first lady or talk to my husband. You know, they can help you. The church can help you get into your first house home. You know, if you want a bigger home, we can help you. I mean, all of that. I remember all of that. And there were people in the church, usually, you know, the pastor's spouse or their children or, you know, the cronies, and they made a lot of money, you know, selling homes and mortgaging homes. And the same thing now with the insurance. You know, you don't hear a lot of it, but you have a lot of insurance brokerages that are based in the church. You know, quite a few pastors. I'll give you one example. Jamal Bryant. Look it up. No reason to lie to you. And so it's just interesting because sometimes when I look at some of these people, it feels like you're just throwing rocks and hiding your hands. You know, and so I know I've been rambling for an hour, not an hour, for 53 minutes, close to an hour talking about these things, and there's a number of things that I want to get to, but, you know, this is just outrageous, and you got to remember, I've been gone for a while, so I got a whole lot that I want to catch up on, you know, in particular what just happened with Jerusalem, with, you know, President Trump, you know, uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So, You know, you have all these think pieces that are out here talking about it. And, um, oh, yeah, wait, wait, hold on a second. I got to double back about Trump and the Civil Rights Museum. Basically, you know, some of the crap he said, you know, he didn't believe a damn word of it. So what he said was like very big phrases and very big words. You know, and talking about how Martin Luther King and all of these people started the Civil Rights Movement. Who the hell wrote his speech? Omarosa, where are you? Did you like that shit, girl? Omarosa, you know, we still don't know what she does at the White House. We don't even know if she shows up anymore, but I'm pretty sure her reparations check is on time. So anyway, um, <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I believe it was on the Joy Reid show yesterday. They had Daryl Scott on the air again. He's the pastor of a mega church over in Ohio somewhere, and you know the way he was behaving was interesting. You know, because you know he was acting like he was ready to, you know, duke it out, which I found quite interesting. You know. Um, And uh, (laughs) it all boils down to you all are fucking with their money. You know, Daryl Scott and many other black prosperity word of faith pastors, and some that aren't, you know, you got other different people out there, they are going to make a brick of money, just like a lot of the black preachers here in Chicago that supported Rauner. You know, basically they were being appointed to boards and with many of these boards, there was a salary to go with the boards, so they're making money. So and then also, if they open it up and allow churches to become political action committees, that's even more money. You know, I mean, shitloads of money. And then they can spend that money on who and what they want. So you need to pay attention because, black church, you are complicit. And most of you all will not have access to this. And for some of you who do get access, you better be very careful because, see, when, it, when, you know, when reckoning comes, you're going to be one of the first ones that they try to march in front of the camera, as an example, while you being been putting your orange jumpsuit and wearing them damn stainless steel bracelets. So you need to pay attention and you need to be careful, you know. And so what's so interesting, you had Daryl Scott claiming that, you know, the Trump administration wants to dialogue and find common ground and have these conversations. And the counter argument to that was, no, he wants a photo op, and all of this, and, and Daryl Sky, I guess he's, you know, the chair of the diversity or whatever. Look, you guys, when you hear people talking about diversity, you know, especially now, basically what diversity means, in a lot of these communities, they're just reshuffling or shuffling their their discriminations and biases around. Not that they've changed or they've seen the light. They're just shuffling it around. Oh, so wait a minute. Being mean to gay people is a bad thing, so we'll push that down. But now it's okay to to say a bunch of crazy shit to black and Latino people, right? So we'll put that back oh, wait a minute, you all don't like that either. All right, so we're going to put this in front. I mean, it's just, you know, they're just shuffling it around and just moving it around, but it's the same bullshit. They don't necessarily believe in diversity. Hell, I'll go on ahead and say it. They don't give a damn about it, but they have to put it out there. Why? Because it sounds good. You know, and what's so interesting is you have a lot of people you know, in these churches, especially white evangelicals that are supporting Trump and this disaster of recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Now, I'm going to talk about some shit right here. Now, basically, personally, I do believe that he did this for a number of reasons. One reasons, and one of the reasons is, he was starting to lose ground with his religious base, his white evangelicals. And by doing this, what he's signaling to them is basically some of their biblical beliefs that when, you know, Jerusalem is reestablished as, you know, the capital of Israel, other events will take place which will usher in Armageddon or the rapture, right, right? And, you know, this is something that many of them wanted, especially if you go and you look up John Hagee. Look up John Hagee and his series. I mean, he did a number of series about this. Same thing with Pat Robertson. And, you know, look up Jerry Falwell. It's a number of them that have been teaching this. And also you may want to go and look at the Left Behind series. with Hal Lindsey and a number of them, they've made a lot of money off of this particular narrative, okay? So he doesn't want to lose any more of his religious right evangelical white base, right? But I also believe that he's doing this because he knows that this will cause a massive uprising of Muslims around the world. And, you know, I know it probably sounds Machiavellian, but you know, it is what it is. And and what's interesting about Christians, you know, some of these white evangelicals that are following suit about this here is, again, you know, it's like, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians that have not read their Bible. And so what the Bible says is that when this happens, when the rapture happens and Armageddon comes, there will be a lot of Jewish people who will be killed. Because they're not Messianic Jews, meaning that they have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. That is what a Messianic Jew is, right? A Messianic Judaism. And so, you know, while they're up here celebrating, thinking that the rapture is coming, you know, they're not looking at at the rest of it because when that happens, a lot of people are supposed to be killed in that particular narrative especially some Jewish people. Go read your Bible, and you're being used. And he's pandering to his base. And so, you know, man, I'm looking at this. In black church, you know, I say you're complicit in a lot of ways because you allow these people to come into the pulpit of your churches, you give them an audience, you send them money, and you don't question a lot of the crap they're putting out there. And what's so interesting is that you have been coddled and trained for so long that many of you don't even realize you know what's happening there. And so, you know, it becomes really interesting when I talk to some black people or I'll listen to some podcasts or read some articles, and you'll have a bunch of folks saying, well, I'm just not into politics. And so, you know, what's interesting is um, DSA Los Angeles, on um, they tweeted out something, and I'll read it to you, and it says, you're just not that into politics, but your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. And it's time for black people to stop allowing white people to control our narrative, to control our communities. You know, we have to get out there and we have to affect change. Period. And so, yes. People are going to be inconvenienced. Yes, people are going to be, you know, people are going to lose their jobs. You know, that's going to happen. And, you know, I understand. There are certain things that I do not say and do because, um, you know, truth of the matter is totally ruined my life, my real life. You know, not, you know, some bullshit games happening in the background with different people. But no, I'm talking about life. And so you have to understand that there are very real consequences for these actions. You know, let's say consequences and repercussions. So you have to be careful You have to understand what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, what you are willing to give up. And let's just be honest about it. You know, I'm just going to tell some of you out there, you need to be careful because there are people out here that will use you. They will push you out there and watch to see what happens to you. And what's interesting is you need their assistance. They will be nowhere to be found. And so that being said, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, libertarians, and libertarianism. And for those who want to go out and do some searches, you know, a lot of the rhetoric that comes out of Trump's mouth and that he's trying to push along with Steve Bannon, Steve Miller, and a number of other people. It has deep libertarian roots. And so, you know, you've heard me talk about black nationalists on the show, you know, but, I mean, have you ever wondered why you have so many tofu dashiki black nationalists, cheerleaders celebrating Trump and libertarians? It's because they have the same agenda. And black community, I'm telling you, you're being sucked into a vortex. You need to pay attention because for many of these people, desperation is setting in and they're grabbing at straws, And they're making inroads in an effort to basically destroy communities or dismantle certain systems that are in place in these communities. And so, you know, what's interesting is some of them are out here being cheerleaders for some of these white libertarians who have a totally different agenda than, you know, their agenda is much bigger than what they're sharing with their, you know, um, puppets of color right and they're trying to use diversity as a conduit so pay attention ask a bunch of questions and pay attention to see if you start getting talking points because what's so interesting is you know for many of the people in these you know these different communities you know their whole goal is to basically prove themselves to be smarter than everyone else. And so they feel that when they join certain communities, that it automatically automatically makes them superior to other groups when that's not the case. And so this is why I call quite a few of them cults now. You just got to really pay attention. Pay attention to the groupthink. Pay attention to what's happening. You know, and so this is why you know I get really concerned, especially when you have pastors, you know ministers, community leaders spitting out certain talking points, because you know they're they're falling right in line with an agenda that they don't quite fully understand, and I'm not saying that I fully understand it, but we've been sounding the alarm for a while. And what's interesting is some of the shit that's coming out now we're seeing, and we're like, what in the hell? But, see, it wouldn't have made a difference because had we told you that this was being planned and this was what they were doing, you wouldn't have believed us any damn way. You didn't believe us about the other shit. And so you need to pay attention about how they're dismantling civil rights, how they're rolling back progress in police, you know, accountability and, and and reform, you know, police reform. Just pay attention, you know, and for those of you that are out there and like, oh, well, you know, it's, we have to get the conversation. Yeah, so next time the police officer is communicating with someone that you know and love with his gun and bullets and tasers and nightsticks, think about who you voted for and why especially if you supported Trump, because what's interesting is a a lot of those tofu dashiki is did vote for Trump and support him, the ones that vote. You know, you have a whole sector of them that do not, you know, vote at all. And so, you know, what I'm looking at now is, you know, you have these people and they're supporting rapists and sexual harassers and predators and pederasts, you know, pedophiles and all of that. And there are some parallels. You know, you have people pointing the finger at these politicians and these entertainers and what's happening and what's being pushed out, in, you know, in the media. But this, this is the same shit that's been happening in our communities and churches all along. So, again... When I say when I talk about these smaller groups and these little cultures or cults, they're nothing but a mirror image of society at large. The shit that Trump, Moore, Frank and Conyers are Kelly, Kobe, Weinstein, Woody Allen, Trent Frank, Matt Lauer, and now they're investigating 20 to 40 more politicians and, you know, they're targeting them to bring these stories out. This has been happening in our communities and in our churches. You know, but instead of them being famous names like this, you know, you got Ray Ray, you got Pookie, you got Tyrone, you got Juan, you got Jesus right there. You You know, it happens. And they need to be prosecuted and brought to justice, which is one of the reasons why I feel as though the statute of limitations need to be abolished across the country. Why? Because the victims, they're going to carry that trauma and that pain for the rest of their lives. See, that trauma and pain does not have a statute of limitations. And you carry that for the rest of your life. And fortunately, we internalize it and we blame ourselves. Oh, I was somewhere I shouldn't have been, or oh, I was wearing something that I shouldn't wear, when all the time you should be, men should be telling each other you don't rape people. You don't physically assault people. You don't create situations and you. It has to stop. You know, and so what's so interesting is, you know, you have these people conducting themselves in ways frowned upon but they don't want people to know about it. You know, none of us knew they had a little slush fund to pay off, you know, people who make accusations of sexual harassment or discrimination or what have you within the government. Why do they have a fund for that? Why aren't these politicians and these entertainers paying for, you know, their mistakes themselves? You know, for some of you out there, why didn't you sue the church? Why didn't you sue that community leader? Because you or your child or, you know, your relative, they're going to carry that for the rest of their lives. And you have these people coming out and saying, oh, they're just liars. That didn't happen. Or I remember it differently. You know, you should have been thinking of that when you did it. So um, it's it's just, it's it's been eye-opening. You know, and I've seen all of this where we need all the facts, you know, that we need all the facts, people, you know, which in so many words, oh, I don't want to get in the middle of it. I don't want to believe this, that, and I've, you know, I met this person. We met at the hot dog stand, and they would never do anything like that. And when it comes out that they did, then you're tripping. And so... You know, I'm just looking at this and, you know, watching what's happening in politics, and you have a number of people saying that black people should vote for Doug Jones because, you know, how he prosecuted the people that bombed that church, for little black girls, and all of that. Well, okay, but wasn't that his job? Isn't that what he should have been doing? And see, what's so interesting is you have a lot of these moderate, progressive, liberal whites out here that feel as though black people are beholden to them. And in any little thing they did for black people, we should be grateful for, like Donald Trump feels. And so you know, all I'm doing is painting the picture and showing you that a lot of this shit is parallel. You know, he should have done that because it was the right thing to do, not because he was trying to cultivate a political career. So... You know, you got blacks out here saying that you should vote for Roy Moore because he's following the word of God. Yet many of you have not read your Bible, and many of you do not understand a lot of what is in that Bible, let alone understand the history and the culture of the people that created that Bible and what the Bible has been utilized for over the centuries. So, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we were doing some outreach a while ago, and I stopped this one black woman, and that woman let me have it. Do you hear me? But, I mean, well, we agreed about a lot of things, but she brought it out, and so she was like, you know, I tell people – start acting like they haven't lost their damn minds. I ain't got, you know, and she read it point for point. You know, I gave her a hug because I'm like, well, damn. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, it was a good thing. It was a good conversation because she brought a lot of this back into perspective. And a lot of what she said had a lot of truth to it. You know, and a lot of the madness that's happening in these communities of color, we have to address that shit, and it's being addressed, but um it's interesting, you know, so all right, so you know there's a number of things that I want to get into, but it's one particular article that came out this week that I want you guys to read, and I'll post it, you know, when the show is over. But this article is written as part of the Nation magazine, online magazine. And so basically the article, what's the title of this thing here? Let us see here. The Racist Right Looks Left, right? And so... Yeah, of course, it wants to take its time. But uh, <laughs> what's interesting about this article is that it addresses a number of issues that I've brought to light over the years. And so, all right, so this article was written by Donna Minkowitz, M-I-N-K-O-W-I-T-Z, again, Donna Minkowitz and it was released December 8th, so a couple of days ago. The title of the article is The Racist Right Looks Left. And this is something that I've talked about on the show, something that I've told you to be on the lookout for, and it's talking about Richard Spencer's secret conference and and how white supremacists denounce corporate capitalism, right? And so what's interesting is with a lot of these white supremacists, alt writers, Nazi folks, and you know, Z, all of the above that fall into that particular category, and that would include um, black supremacists and black nationalists, right? And again, not all black nationalists. I'm talking about the Tofu Dashiki crowd, right? And so, you know, what's interesting is this is fooling a lot of people because some of the rhetoric that you hear coming out of these particular circles of people, you know, again, while they're trying to appeal to communities of color, what they've done is they've factored in some aspects of socialism But, again, it's not that they believe it. It just sounds good. And they know that people would listen to them once, you know, they start um, talking about certain talking points or sharing certain talking points because it will get people's attention. And so, you know, there are a number of different points made in this article that I really think you should pay attention to. Because you have some people that's part of the libertarianism to alt right pipeline. They hate social justice warriors but they believe in social justice. And and so people are like, Well, what's wrong with that? and you know, that sounds fine to me, It's see black, brown, red and yellow people. The reason why it's dangerous is because they believe in social justice, but they believe in social justice for white people. That's the part they're not telling you about. Yeah, social justice. And then, you know, you have the people of color, the tokens of color, especially who they want to appoint as your overseers. What's interesting, they'll they'll like, yeah, social justice. They believe in social justice. Yeah, but they didn't tell you the rest of the sentence social justice for white people. And so, you know, it gets really interesting because you have to go back and you got to break this shit down and really pay attention to what some of these people are saying because this is the type of shit that sucks people into this vortex, you know, and you don't know how to get out of it. And the next thing you know, You're out there marching with them at one of these rallies. And so when I wrote the show up today, I was talking about Santa Claus, I mean, Donald Trump being Santa Claus for white people and some of their ethnic white counterparts. What I'm seeing, and, you know, quite a few of us are seeing, is that, you know, anyone who listens to this show, you know that there are certain people that I do not consider white. Irish people, Jewish people, you know, Italians, Greeks, you know, I I don't see them as white, they're ethnic whites. And so when they had that rally or those rallies, because they had three in Charlottesville and oh yeah, you know, not to bust your bubble, but they're going back to Charlottesville and they're planning that. So anyway, um, You know, when they start chanting things like Jews will not replace us, you know, one thing I know is that Jews started being recognized as white 60, 70 years ago. And, you know, if you talk to most Jews, they will say that they're white. And what's interesting is, you know, white people, some white people do not recognize Jewish people as being white, even though they're trying with everything that they have to be considered white. But then you have people like these white supremacists that are like, no, you're not white. They reject your whiteness. And so you see this little battle going back and forth, and, you know, we're sitting over here perplexed, trying to figure out what's going on. And and so anyway, because I can go into that and really, really go in too deep down the rabbit hole. but. You know, they're changing rhetoric. They're saying that they're anti-capitalist. But yet in the same breath, they'll say, well, you know, we're not and, and But when we get into power, we're going to be different types of elitists because we know what's best for you. We know what you want and what you need, and we know what's best for you. Well, isn't that what these other elitists, isn't that how they feel about you, what they've been saying, that they know what's best for you and they're doing what's best for you? So all you're trying to do is shake it up so that you can be the one in charge. And so that's why when you hear me talking about these things and I talk about how you have people out here that want to topple other folks just so that they can be on top and, and then they can reap all the benefits, whether it's money, power, status, what have you. And then they dictate to you what they believe is good for you, but they resented it when it was someone else making these decisions for them. And so you got to pay attention to the rhetoric you got to pay attention to the language. You also have to pay attention to what they're not saying. And that's important, that you understand what they're not saying to you. Because there's a reason for it. There's a reason why they're not saying certain things. They're leaving part of it off. And you have these people out here saying, oh, well, they're on a mission but yet, they still have not, and they never will fully give you the mission statement or tell you. Because, see, their mission does not include you. But they need your support, they need your money, they need your numbers. And you're being used. And so, what they do is they send people that look like you, that sound like you, that may relate to you in, in various ways. You need to pay attention. Because, you know, again, there's a price to pay. And, you know, not only do you not know what they're trying to do, many of the people that they're sending to you don't know the full agenda as well and will claim that they do. And so what's so interesting, you know, and I really want you guys to read that article. I'm going to post it later. But what's really, really, truly interesting about all of that is that it's becoming normalized or they're trying to normalize this. And basically, you know, they're trying to kind of cover it and shield it in such a way that, You feel as though you're a part of it and that, you know, they're going to do what's right for you. They claim that they're inclusive and diversity, all of that. And hasn't really done anything for the communities that they're claiming that they want to be part of, you know, their conversation. You need to pay attention to that what's interesting is in some of these communities, you know, I sit back and I watch shit and, you know, basically the script has changed for some of them, you know, especially some of the black ones. And I'm like, oh, you don't had your, you know, N-word moment, huh? You know, and I wanted to say the word, but what's interesting is if I say the word, there are some white people who feel as though they can say the word because I said the word. That's not how that works, but I just won't say the word. But some of you, you know, you've had your moments and and you don't quite know what to do with it. And so what happens is when you have groups like this that are conflating different movements in, in in the terminology and ideology just mixing it all up in their effort to be everything to everyone, you need to pay attention to that because, again, it's about gaining control. It's about getting into communities that have shut them out traditionally. And and basically bringing folks in who, you know, have the right words, right? They may look the part. You know, they may embrace something that you personally embrace. And especially if it's something that's been frowned upon. In you know, the very conservative black community, because most people don't realize the black community is very conservative, but also, you know, the black church. And all I will say to you is look, listen, learn, question. You have people who get angry because you're questioning things. You need to pay attention to that. Something ain't quite right about that, and if you have people out here making excuses for the behavior of said people, because you'll hear people say, "Oh, well, they were just joking," and all of that. You know, there's some article um, that I read not too long ago, and I think it was talking about um, it was talking about Nazis. And irony and, you know, rhetoric and all of that, you know, and I had to find that article, I'll post that too, but a Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi. And you'll have people out here saying, oh, well, they said that, but they were just joking. No, they weren't. They meant that shit. And for those of you that want more information about some of this crazy shit that's going on, um, look up Andrew Anglin, A-N-G-L-I-N. That's someone you need to keep an eye out for. And so, like I said, when you go into these subcultures, into these other little communities out here, basically, like I said, it's a mirror image of society as a whole. So, yes, there is racism in the LGBTQ community. There is racism in the secular community. There is racism in the, you know, um, disabled community. You know, there's racism in the feminist community. I mean, it's just all of this happening. They are not any different than mainstream society. You know, but again, they want social justice, but they want social justice for people that look like them, people that are a part of that particular core group. Not the group as a whole, but if they have to use people of color to attain their goals, that is what they will do, which is one of the reasons why <clears throat> excuse me, there were so many issues with the LGBTQ community in California with Prop 8, and they scapegoated the black community. And the same thing with what just happened with Donald Trump being elected, they scapegoated the black community. And the same thing with the women's March, you know which was one of the largest marches, well, one no, of the largest march ever in this country. and it went across the water. They, they scapegoated black women trying to claim that black women were being divisive when, you know, quite a few of us had issues with play number one, how they tried to take, um, you know, the name. It's just, it was crazy. You know, and we have started calling a number of things out. But when we told them we wanted them to address racism, you know, as part of the platform, then they wanted to call black women divisive. Because you weren't willing to go along totally with their bullshit. And then, you know, and then you call it out in public, and they don't want that either. You know, even if you don't go along, they want you to remain silent, be quiet. And when you speak up, they claim that you're you're being divisive because you don't approve of of, of what they're saying, even though 53% of them voted for Donald Trump. And I'm talking about the white feminist community in general, you know. And so you got to pay attention, you know, and you got to pay attention because there are always going to be some black, Latino, Latinx, you know, Asian, indigenous people who are going to follow these folks and they're going to shuck and jive when they tell them to shuck and jive. And they're going to apologize for what, you know, some of these people are out here claiming. And these, my dear, are called your overseers. And their job is to keep you in line or at least keep you silent. You know, and again, they're trying to forge a path into these communities, clearing a way for a lot of these racist motherfuckers to come in. But while they're doing that, they're avoiding conversations about race. Or they used to talk about race, but then they were given some type of reward, whether it's power, money, prestige, status, whatever. If you pay attention, their conversation has changed or they've become mysteriously bridled at the top. You need to be asking why. You need to be paying attention, pay attention, pay attention. Because you got some folks out here, all they want is a check and some recognition, a check so that they can do whatever it is, whatever the hell they call themselves want to do. And so you need to pay attention. It's what they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. And I usually screw that up. I usually turn it around. But in those of you that are out here that are being silent, it's tacit agreement, and you are complicit. And so, you know, it's just so funny because, you know, when I make donations through larger organizations, I have them send it to some of the most radical black organizations and charities I can find, and that's done for a reason because I know they're going to look them up. And if they're open-minded, they're going to find out what these people are about, how they were formed, why they were formed, and why they stand on certain issues the way that they do. And so, yeah, you know, For those of you that are out here saying, well, you really have an issue with libertarians, yeah, I do. I've never hidden that, you know, but I've called out, you know, a lot of the bullshit that I've seen. And so when I have black people walking up to me telling me that they're libertarians, and so, you know, I start asking questions. You don't know who Ayn Rand is. You don't know, you know, anything about that and and how Paul Ryan and a number of people, their particular ideology, where it stems from, where it's rooted. And you can't talk, you have no idea what you're into. They've made it sound pretty. And that is why you're into this. So, you know, I'm going to put a lot of shit out here that you all need to, you know, read and understand understand the link between libertarianism and and Donald Trump. It's important that you understand that. And even, you know, within some of these communities, I'm pretty sure you saw many of them saying that they had a problem with Barack Obama because he wouldn't say radical Muslim extremists or or terrorist. There's a reason for that. And that is where a lot of this rhetoric comes from. So you need to pay attention to that, do some reading. I'll post an article. Um, You know, it's an article that I'm going to put up, and it's going to talk about how basically this one particular gentleman that kind of funneled his way into the alt-right community from libertarianism and atheism, which is just really interesting. And I've talked about this, but I think I'm going to have to – because, I mean, I talk about it here and there, but, you know, I would like to do a breakdown, but, you know, one of the things that makes me not want to, you know, break things down and that had me thinking about, you know, shutting the show down for a while is you got these folks out here that will come over here and listen, steal the talking points, and act as though, you know, they thought about this shit and that it was theirs. And in some cases, they steal it verbatim, word for word, and then get upset when I say something about it. You know, so, like I said, shit is just crazy. It really is. It's nuts. You need to pay attention. You need to have a voice of your own. And like I said, not everybody is going to be able to go out there in the street and protest and go to the rallies for a number of reasons, but there is a role that everybody can play. Even if you're retweeting something, and you may not even be able to do that or post it on your Facebook. Maybe you know some family members. You call them up. And they can post whatever the hell they want because they can. Tell them to post it. You know, if you can't post it yourself, or just pass the word around. But you know, the next three years are going to be quite, you know, daunting. I, I like to use the word interesting, but I think it's going to be more daunting than anything else. And you know, not to be quoting, you know, Harry Potter. But we're definitely living in darker times. And when I say darker times, that's not, you know, what some white folks, when they say dark times, they're talking about black and brown folks. You know, I don't know if I ever told you the story about how I went to karaoke with some friends. This is way back. This is when I lived in Georgia. And so I don't drink, period you know, I don't drink or anything like that. And so the people I I was with, you know, I'm the designated driver all the time. Why? Because I don't drink. And so we went to this karaoke bar in a very, very, very white part of Dunwoody, Sandy Springs area, you know, in Georgia, which is fairly well-to-do area. And Some of the white people were talking to each other, and they were talking in what they thought was coded language, but I understood it, and, you know, I definitely made sure that I kept an eye on everybody because, you know, someone had to be rational and be able to relay the story had a situation turned up, even though it wouldn't have mattered in in some cases because, you know, the police isn't necessarily there to protect and serve people like myself and that look like myself. And, you know, over the years, I've experienced a lot of different things from different people in different communities. And I've been disappointed in a lot of different people for a number of different reasons. But again, you know, I have to keep pushing forward and, you know, putting the word out. Even though sometimes I feel like I'm talking to my damn self out here, which is okay, you know, sometimes. But then I'll get a note or someone to say, well, Kim, no, you know, we're listening, and I'll get a little note, email, inbox, what have you. And so then, you know, I I go forward. But... Child, y'all, is going to get more dangerous before it gets better. And so, you know, when you look at Donald Trump and his people, and you look at the libertarian community or the libertarians and their particular community, you know, it is white, male, cisgendered, hetero educated, centered. Now, you got all these other people that are part of the community, but I'm talking the very nucleus of these communities and a lot of these movements, you know, with the exception of the LGBTQ. Instead of it being hetero, you know, is gay or bisexual, but it's still white male centered, even though it didn't start out that way. But to make it more palatable to mainstream America, they had to rewrite the narrative and present a narrative that Americans or most Americans would deem acceptable. But while that was happening, you know, again, there were people being pushed to the side. But pushed to the side to make room for these other people to call themselves being the spokespeople. But, and they may not like you, but they need your numbers. They need your faces because they need you there to deflect, you know, accusations of racism, sexism, or misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, you know, ableist, all of that. And so that is why they need you. And trust and believe. You don't know the full agenda, but I can tell you that the end result will not include you. You know, they may let one or two of you through. Maybe. Maybe not. I guess time will tell, but I've seen enough happen from, you know, over the past few years that it's just absolutely, you know, Breathtaking. And so, like I said, Donald Trump is Santa Claus for white people because, basically, he's trying to take us back to a point in time whereas women, people of color, knew their place and stayed in their place. When he's endorsing people like Roy Moore, who, you know, likes young girls, also known as chicken, you know, Roy Moore enjoys chicken but he also wants to take america back to a time when families were close or so called close and and even though they had slavery you know the families were united you know but from what i remember i remember reading roots and seeing it they were tearing black families apart which is some of the you know some of the reasons why we have problems now They were being torn apart, even back when they finally decided to allow women of color, particularly black women, to receive public aid, whether it's, you know, through money or food stamps or link, you know, and and all of these things. What happened was, these women had to divest themselves of these men whether through divorce or leaving them, and and you even if they still had a relationship with the man, the caseworkers, the social workers will come to your house, and they would go in these women's closets to see if they saw men's clothing or anything or if you had too many adult toothbrushes there. I mean, there is a history of this in this country. And I just super simplified it. It's not quite that simple. You know, but you got people out here saying these things. You know, um, what's that guy's name, Steve King? Some of the comments that have come out of his mouth, as well as a number of other politicians, you know, that are out here. And, you know, the same thoughts resonate with other people who aren't politicians. You know, whether they own a company or they're high up in a company, hell, they can be the janitor in the mail room, what the hell ever. You know, the person who makes the signs and the pens and pencils, you know, supplies them with it. You know, there are a lot of people that have these same thoughts. And, you know, this, this the election of Donald Trump, you know, for some people it was about economics. For other people it was about their racism. And how many of them feel that blacks, women, you know, people of color in general have lost our collective minds and don't know our place and don't know how to respect authority, which is, you know, unfortunately you have some white people out here who think that people of color should submit to their authority whether you know them or not or, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at what happened to young Mr. Jordan down in Florida. The guy got out of his car, Besides, the music was too loud. You know, they gave him some shade, and he came out shooting, killing folks, because they didn't submit to his authority as a white man. There's a whole bunch of them out here that think this way. I think I told you all the story about I was in a dollar store and how some white man was, talking and we were all ignoring him but I had to get in line because I had to go and I ended up in line behind him and so he was like you know you know talking about his family I don't know who pissed them off and sent them to the dollar store but you know he was talking about I'm I'm the dad I'm the granddad the great granddad I'm the oldest I'm the boss and they should do whatever I say don't you agree and I said no and he got angry and got in my face. It was acting like he was about to touch me. And you should have seen the clerk. The clerk was nervous. You know, there were black people and a couple of other white people in the store, and they stopped and they looked. And then I, you know, commented and said that I would call the police and sue you for everything you have. So he got his shit, and he got out and so when he got in his car, he was trying to back out and get out of there real fast. He almost slammed into a couple of other cars. You know you have people like that walking around. There was an incident um somewhere, and I had to go walk in and pay my one of my utility bills. I think it was the light bill. And so I walked in, and it was a white guy talking to the white young lady at the counter, and he didn't hear or see me walk in. And what happened was they put that particular payment facility, they had renamed the street to Martin Luther King Drive. And he was like, can you believe that? It's a shame. You know, Martin Luther King Drive, and, you know, those people have never done anything to, you know, help this country. And the young lady, the clerk pointed her head at me, and he turned and looked. He was like, I don't care, la, 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 la. And, I was, you know, he was going in. And basically the conversation between he and I, you know, he was like, well, if you don't like it here, you can leave. And I'm like, no, I think you're the one that should be leaving. Well, you haven't made a contribution to this country. I'm like, oh, yeah, we have. You know, and and it was just, you know, now, mind you, that happened over twenty years ago at the light company. The dollar store thing. When did that happen? That had to have been about five years ago. I don't even know. It maybe it was before then because I don't even remember if I had the then or not. You know, but it's even worse now. You know, and. Um, I'm pretty sure some of you all have experienced this close and up front, but the thing is is that, you know, you have some people out here that have been emboldened and they've been empowered, and basically it's only going to get worse, especially when you have people like Trump and Sessions calling some of these people good, fine people, wrong on both sides. And what's interesting is, in situations like that, where we don't have all the facts, we don't know both sides, but, you know, someone light a firecracker in, you know, a white European country, you know, make it Great Britain or Germany or whatever, and the person even remotely seems like they're Muslim, then all of a sudden he's condemning them. He's not waiting to hear both sides on that, and that's one of the reasons why I believe he did what he did, if we're, you know, recognized in Jerusalem. As the capital for the Israelis, because he wants an uprising. He wants to justify a lot of the Islamophobia, especially over in other countries in Europe, because he's been doing everything he can to tear down people like Angela Merkel, you know, and, and, and a number of people over there, because basically he wants those other countries to submit themselves to him too. He wants a lot of these other leaders to submit themselves to him too. And he only respects people like Putin and Erdogan and, and, you know, these dictators. And, you know, Durante, which I found really interesting, sang a love song to the guy. And, you know, I was like, wow. You know, so it's been interesting. But black America, be careful. Question everything and everybody. And you're going to have people bringing a lot of this rhetoric to you, and it sounds good, and it looks good. It's like like an onion, and you have to start peeling away at the layers until you get to the center of that onion and find out to see what's really real or what's really happening. And that is how the truth has to be found in, in many cases. But you know, don't don't let them fool you folks out here incorporating, you know, social justice language, socialist language, and don't believe in none of that. And what's so interesting is in this country, they believe in socialism for, you know, businesses and corporations, but they believe in capitalism for the rest of us and socialism also for rich rich white folks. And you need to pay attention to it and, you know, not be fooled because it, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You have articles out here saying that Donald Trump is the last hurrah for white America because things are changing. And there is a lot of truth to that. You know, I'll be the first one to say there is a lot of truth to that. But in the meantime, we have to live in this reality called right here and right now. And so prepare yourselves, educate yourselves. You know, it's interesting you have some folks out here that will say, oh, go get a history book and read. And I don't know if they've picked up a book in the last 10 years or not. And so, you know, like I said, you got some people out here. And it's not just Donald Trump and, and, you know, some of his white Anglo-Saxon Protestant friends who are saying to people of color that you will obey and conform. You have some blacks out here saying the same thing. Not all white supremacists are white. Got some black ones, you got some Latinx ones, you got some indigenous ones, Asian ones, trust me, they're out there. And if you really wanted to find them, you could. But black church, you know, you they're trying to use you to suck you into this vortex, and it's not going to end well. And it's our community that's going to suffer quite a bit. So be on the lookout. Pay attention. You know, the wild White West, and when I say the West, we am talking about white Anglo-Saxon Protestant countries. You know, America, Great Britain, or, yeah, Great Britain, um, France, Germany, Australia, pay attention to them. You know, and I think I'm missing a couple of them. I just can't think straight right now, but the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, but you have some of these ethnic whites that have joined, you know, some of these movements like Polish and Irish and all of that. And what's interesting, I've even seen some, you know, Latinx and Hispanic. There's a difference between a Hispanic and a Latinx person, and a mestizo, and a Chicano, you know, and it's important that you understand the differences here. And I'm still learning a lot of this myself, you know, um, and, and and bringing it in and taking it in. And even with the Asian community, you have people now that prefer the terminology of Pan-Asian. Go out and read and get a better understanding why. You know, you have all these changes in, in, in people asserting themselves and in, in trying to educate you on these things and why it's important to them. You know, you identify as who you identify as, and they identify as who they identify as. And so, you know, I'm not here to tell somebody that they're not white if they think they're white. You're as white as you want to be. You know, I've seen some people darker than me saying that they're white. Hey, you like it. I love it. You know, so there you go. But pay attention. With The black community, black church, you know, they're coming down your aisle. It's happening now. I mean, it's been happening for a while. But I just don't want you to wake up one day and say, what the hell and how did this happen? like many of you guys did when they had that outbreak in Charlottesville. We told you what was going on. You need to open your eyes and pay attention because a lot of this is happening in public, and they're putting it in your face. And the best way to keep something secret is to put it in plain sight. So, you know, it's very important that you know and you understand who you're dealing with. And what they're going to get from the situation. Because with many of these people, like I said, self-serving opportunists that are trying to enrich themselves or, you know, gain more power, status, what have you. Pay attention. Because they're going to reel you in. And... When you think you need them most or you do need them most, they're not going to be anywhere to be found. And what's interesting is, you know, a few of them used to be the main ones talking about the other folks. But now things have changed. Anyway, you all have a good Sunday afternoon. Talk to you next week. Take care, thinkers. And we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself not convert you. Take care, everybody. Good night.